acceptance is a daily practice and the daily practice is um, choosing to move through the world as a person who stutters, refusing to substitute words or um, escape stuttering in the millions of ways we all know how to do. Um, and if I don't take active steps each day to keep myself honest, um, I will backtrack. Welcome to Some Stutter Law, Newfoundland Labrador's first podcast about living with communication disorders. It is a production of the Communication Collaborative. My name is Greg O'Grady and I am a person who stutters and your host. Some Stutter Law aims to rebuild confidence and hope for people who live with communication differences by dismantling myths, stigmas, stereotypes and barriers. For more information about the Com Communication Collaborative or for this podcast, you can find us at somestutterlaw.ca. Today, Some Stutter Law welcomes Jenny McGuire. Jenny was recently a guest on Some Stutter Law. She was joined by two of her colleagues from the Stuttering Scholarship Alliance, now renamed My Speech. To, to discuss the great work that this amazing organization is doing. My Speech is a non nonprofit organization dedicated to providing a bridge to access for people who stutter, otherwise facing barriers of access to achieve their fullest potential and receive effective speech therapy. During this conversation, I managed to get a glimpse of Jenny's lived experience as a person who stutters. So to find out more about Jenny's story, I thought a Some Stutter Law guest revisit was in order. I was touched by the com commitment and work that Jenny has placed on her self-care journey to accept and embrace her stutter. Before we uh, begin, my, uh, my speech has recently had some exciting changes in news. So Jenny, I'm wondering if you'd like to do a shout out. To, to inform our listeners of all the exciting uh, developments. Yeah. Um, so our organization is now called My Speech, and the URL is myspeechapp.org. Um, we are still a nonprofit. We used to be called Stuttering Scholarship Alliance. And um, my speech is just shorter and pithier, and um, we're still giving scholarships. That is always going to be a, a part of what we do, but we're also expanding beyond that to find other ways to bridge access for people who stutter. So um, we are developing a tech platform, otherwise known as an app, um, and the hope is that it will be a gathering spot and a marketplace for people who stutter and people who seek to help people who stutter. So um, a place where you can go and type in your state or country and figure out who can help you in your area. And then if you can't afford it, my speech still provides scholarships. And so we're just expanding on our mission to bridge access by we already bridged access through cost, and now we're trying to help bridge access through. There are just a lot of people who stutter who don't know where to turn for help, and we're trying to make forging those connections easier. Okay, great. And uh, you and and your 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 founder also also got some fabulous news this this recently as well. Want to share that, Jenny? Nathan Malipetti is um, a young man. He's 23. He is wise and capable well beyond his years. And he just has a real passion for helping people who stutter. And um, he is very uh, adept at pitching what we're trying to do and gaining uh buy-in from all sorts of people. And so the latest recognition he's gotten for our org 
Um, he's a medical student at Harvard University. And Harvard has something called the President's Innovations Lab. And that's referring to the pre the president of Har Harvard, not the president of the U.S. And um, it's a space where they have lots of mentors that help students from all of Harvard's many schools who are trying to innovate and start either for-profit or nonprofit startups. Um, and every year, the president of Harvard is able to award money and recognition to um, some of these ventures. And so Nathan participated in this challenge, pitched on stage in what looked like a TED Talk type uh, appearance. And um, he won for my speech the top prize for the nonprofit, what they call the impact track. And he won seventy. $5,000. And Wonderful. President Biden wrote a letter to all of the Harvard Innovations winners. But because Biden obviously stutters, he gave a special shout out to my speech in this letter. And the president of Harvard then called Nathan up on stage again to give him the letter. Um, Nathan, I mean, it's great for us because uh, what we do is give scholarships. So we, as an org, we just, we spend a lot of money on people who stutter. So any, um, cash prize like that is so great to help us keep our mission going forward. And as Nathan told the team, he said, awards are great. Um, but they can be a distraction. And I just, my philosophy on awards is it's a recognition of potential. And the reason they think we have potential is because we've been working hard. So we need to go back to working hard to realize our potential. So yeah, it's a humble, <laughs> great leader. And it's really fun to be part of his team. Wonderful. Well, you know, well, Congratulations, Jenny, to you. You know, to, to you and the team. This yeah. is a fabulous news. Now, Jenny, now who who is a Jenny Maguire? Jenny is is a person who stutters and a vociferous advocate for stuttering for the stuttering community. Jenny earned a BA in philosophy from Georgetown University and an MA in art therapy from George Washington U University. Jenny worked as an art therapist with pediatric hematology and oncology patients and their families at Georgetown University Hospital Lombardy Cancer Center. She found deep gratification in the work of in, uh, in in this this work for innumerable reasons, the main being bringing patients and families together in the art studio, which doubled as the waiting room and thus creating a community in the most unlikely of settings. The magic of these connections reinforced her long-held belief that community is a powerful agent of both comfort and transformation. Jenny's journey as a stutterer has been marked by many different speech therapy experiences. Most of these therapies thought, taught her behaviors intended to mask her stutter. Spoiler, these tricks never worked when she needed them most, but did little to address the spate of adverse cognitive and affective effects of stuttering. Arts Avoidance Reduction Therapy for Stuttering with Vivian Siskin changed the trajectory of Jenny's life. Through Arts Group Therapy, Jenny learned that a distinction can be drawn between the problem of stuttering and the act of stuttering. Having some displeases when she spoke was not ruining her life, but her avoidance of stuttering along with constant negative thoughts and feelings about stuttering sure were. 
through hard work doing the things she didn't want to do and leveraging the loving support of a wonderful group therapy community, Jenny climbed out of the darkness that is the problem of stuttering. After becoming a mother, Jenny was privileged to make the choice to leave the workforce and spend a decade focusing on raising her children. Now that her children are both school-aged and flying to coop for seven hours a day, she could not be more thrilled to join the uh, uh, my speech as executive director and to play a part in driving my speech noble's mission forward. Jenny can't think of anything she feels more passionately about than removing barriers so that others, particularly individuals from underserved communities, may find a way out of the darkness and live full, joyous lives, stuttering and all. My speech aspect touches a part of her that knows that everything is more tolerable and manageable within the context of a supportive community. And she looks forward to connecting stutterers with their people so that they can continue to thrive in the long term. Jenny is humbled by the steadfast dedication that my speech many volunteers bring to this work. The organization simply would not function without their dry, passion, and tireless effort. Jenny serves on the board of the Directors of SAY, the Stuttering Association for the Young, and volunteers as a CASA, advocating for children navigating the dependency and neglect court system in Boulder County. County. Jenny lives in Lafayette, uh, California, uh, I'm sorry, CO, uh, between Boulder and Denver. Unlike literally everyone around her, she is not an avid skier. She does enjoy, <laughs> she does enjoy, really enjoy taking long walks while listening to podcasts, which allows her to in, introvert. Yes, that's a verb and recharge. And I hope you've started to listen to some Stutter Law podcasts as I well. I do. I love it. <laughs> oh, wonderful, Jenny. When we're not working on uh, on uh, my speech, studying, studying, volunteering, and, and introverting, Jenny can be found hanging out with her wonderful husband, Seth, and two amazing daughters, Danby and Auden. She also enjoys playing with her dog, Pancakes, uh, getting t uh, together with extended family and laughing her head off with their friends. Jenny, as 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 evident in your bio, you have worked so hard on to accept and embrace your stutter. Can can you can you share a little more about your journey of self acceptance? Yeah. Um. In in preparing. For today, I spent some time this morning really trying to put myself back in my childhood shoes, which is hard. Um, it was such an unhappy time because of stuttering and and because of my attitudes about stuttering. And um, but when I when I talk about my journey with the hope of helping other people who stutter, it really feels important to talk about the hard times too, and not just gloss over it. Because um, if I'm trying to reach people who are in a hard time, if I only talk about the place where I've arrived, it um, I just feel it's inaccessible for, for people still really struggling with their identity. So I'd like to spend a little time first just talking about the negative ways that stuttering has impacted me, particularly in childhood. Um, I was a second child. Um, I've always looked up to my older sister. She is not a person who stutters. Um, so right out of the gates, when I started to talk and I started to stutter, I don't remember this because I was like two when I started to stutter. But according to my parents, it was basically right when I started stringing words together in sentences. So it's pretty early onset. Um, and according to home movies, 
it's obvious that just right from the beginning, I had a negative reaction to stuttering. Um, my dad would be asking us to perform little skits or recite the ABCs or whatever. And when I come up on a sound where I need to stutter, it's evident in these movies, I don't even go for it. Like I just either walk off screen or change the word. I mean, you can watch it now with everything that my family and I understand about stuttering in retrospect uh, and see the avoidance and the lack of acceptance just sort of onboarded for me, like at the same time as stuttering. Um, I think for some people in childhood, there's a period of time where they're okay with it. And then they get cues from their environment that it isn't okay. And then they start to hide. I, it appears to me, I might've been my own worst enemy from the get-go and just decided it was not okay as a, like a toddler in diapers, seriously. <laughs> and, um, then I had a little brother born. So I'm a mid middle child. He ended up being a person who stutters too. And mm. so I can't imagine growing up in a home where I was the only person who stuttered. I am sure. I mean, I'm sure it brought me some measure of comfort that one other person in the house like could relate, but my brother and I didn't talk a whole lot about it. Um, it just wasn't really a topic in our house unless it was brainstorming how to get rid of it. And that's not to say my parents like were bad, like every other well-meaning set of parents. I've met a thousand people with the same story, good intentions to help their child. The child says, I want this gone. Parents say, that sounds like a good plan. Let's find someone who can help make this go away. It's a very natural parenting instinct, but um, none of us paused and said, oh, this is a part of Jenny. Maybe it couldn't and shouldn't go away. What if we change our attitude about it? It just, that was never part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And um my brother, excuse me, my brother um, always had a little more accepting attitude about it. He, um, I wanted to go to speech therapy and quote, fix it. So my mom would drive us after school a pretty far away in traffic to a therapist who taught us fluency shaping quote tools to control, mask, minimize, whatever verb you want to use um, to, you know, cover up our stuttering. It was described as this will fix your stuttering. But mm -hmm. looking back, I mean, it was a way we were using tools to try to just kind of keep it underground. And my brother kind of saw through it from the beginning and was like, I don't want to go here. I don't think this is going to help me. And then my, my poor parents in the spirit of equity thinking, well, if we're going to give Jenny this help, uh, we don't want to rob her brother of this help too. So they made him come. And in retrospect, neither of us needed that. It didn't help either of us. And because of the kind of therapy it was, Indeed, it it exacerbated our problems because um, I'm a full believer now in adulthood that the nature of stuttering is the more you try to suppress it, um, the more you'll struggle. And um, as a kid, I didn't have an appreciation for actually how many aspects of the human experience are paradoxical, but I think stuttering is a big example of just the paradoxical nature of being a human and how sometimes you have to do the thing you don't want to do to get to an outcome that you're looking for. And in the case of stuttering, I had to stutter my way out of thinking stuttering was ruining my life. Um, I couldn't go around it. But again, back in childhood, 
no, I didn't have any of these perspectives. My parents didn't have these perspectives. Um, my speech therapist certainly didn't have that perspective. She felt if she, if I would just practice more, I could pass as fluent and, um, milestones would come like, um, moving to middle school. So in the States, that's typically after fifth grade. And then you go to sixth grade at like a bigger school with older kids. And I would hit a milestone like that and be like, okay, over the summer, I'll take an intensive at this place. And then I'll definitely be fluent when I get to sixth grade. (laughs) And none of those plans ever worked because the more pressure I was putting on myself to be fluent, the anticipation and fear of stuttering would grow. And then my blocks, I just blocked at the time. I either spoke fluently or silent blocked because I didn't, I refused to stutter out loud. So there were only two modes, talking quickly when I had fluency and then dead air and quietly, silently blocking when I would hit a stutter. And those could get really long, like at class presentations, I could silent block for 30 seconds. I mean, um, so my early childhood was marked by just avoidance. You know, mom, can you call the teacher and say, I don't have to do this presentation? Um, uh, at home, I my table, my seat at the dinner table was kind of close to the f- phone. And when the phone would ring during dinner, people just expected me to go get it because I was the closest. And I moved, I made everyone rearrange their spots <laughs> at the table rather than just mm. say, guys, I'm really uncomfortable when I answer. I know you're all in the room. And so I stutter a lot. And I, it's like I, I dealt quietly with avoidance rather than like expressing my experience to anyone. I didn't trust anyone to understand the every waking moment to quote my friend, Chris Anderson, who stutters. And that's his description of when you're in it, it is every waking moment is calculations of how Mm -hmm. to get through the day. And, um, and I look back and I'm like, huh, my parents were so understanding. Like, I could have said, I really don't like answering the phone in the kitchen when everyone's at the table and someone else would have gotten it. But instead it's like coming up with weird excuses to change where everyone sits at the table and getting to a restaurant with friends and always going to the bathroom and having someone else order and um, just avoidance, avoidance and the load of making those calculations took a big toll on my mental health. Um, so I, by high school, I was covert. So I didn't really stutter out loud. At least that was my, my understanding of my stutter. Who knows what it was in reality, but in my mind, I didn't stutter out loud. And it was this secret that people probably had forgotten that I used to stutter. And it was, again, my mom calling the teachers, can Jenny write you know, a whole extra report just not to give the presentation can, um, you know, it affected what after school jobs I wanted. I really, I'm an outgoing person and I love ice cream. And I had a lot of friends who worked at ice cream shops and I just, the phone was like, well, I can't work at a restaurant. I can't work at an ice cream shop. The phone will ring. And what if I'm the one standing near the phone? I mean, I just ruled out so many experiences for myself um, and continued that way through college, um, avoiding um, college. I didn't have as many like presentations. So I just had a, I studied, I hung out with friends. I did have a job at a restaurant. Um, and I answered the phone a totally different way than they wanted me to. And they were always like, why do you do that? And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, it's just the way I want to answer. And I acted like, but it's like the minute someone would give me a script and say, this is what you have to say. Well, then you could guarantee I wouldn't be able to say it is how I, I felt. Um, and so post-college, I hit a real skids. I, I interviewed for my first corporate, like a big girl job. And, um, 
I interviewed fluently. So when I got it uh, and I had to go sit at a cubicle and stuff, I knew I stuttered. No one there knew I stuttered. And I'm looking at that phone on the desk like it's a bomb mm. that's going to detonate at any point. And cubicle, open workspace. I had bystanders all around. And my like my stomach, I probably had an ulcer, my, the like acid burning in my stomach from just trying to get through the days of a job I didn't really care about. I didn't like none of that mattered. It was just focusing on speech every waking moment. And, mm -hmm. um, and so my mom, who was now back to like scheduling my doctor's appointments, because I was like, I don't want to call and make my annual physical from my cubicle, people will he hear me stutter. So I was really back in a I had put myself in a very dependent space. And that also felt horrible at a stage in life when you're supposed to be launching. And, um, and my mom was looking for ways to help me and found this speech therapist that we hadn't ever tried. And it was Vivian Siskin. And I read a bit about what she does and it's walking straight into the problem, not avoiding it. And intellectually, I knew I've tried, I've tried every other door. I've tried every other path. Intellectually, I get this is probably my only hope. But of course, my gut was like, this is the last thing I want to do is learn to be a person who stutters, you know? <laughs> and so I joined her. It's group therapy, which is so helpful because again, this community aspect is so huge to me to not just sit in a room with many times an SLP who's never been a person who stutters, no matter how much they might understand it, you know, they've never walked in your shoes and to be in a, in a group where every, all these other people have walked in your shoes and their paths are a little different, but there's so much overlap and you know that they get you. Um, it was finally, so this was, it took me until aged like 24 when I found her in that group. And I loved the group. I love sharing openly and being vulnerable. And I really don't like small talk both because of stuttering, but also just because it's meaningless a lot of the time. So I loved the deep conversations this group would have and really like showing each other who they were. But I didn't try one thing for probably a year. I mean, I would go every Saturday, sit in Vivian's living room with these people, eat her donuts, eat her bagels, talk. And then everyone else would say, okay, between now and next Saturday, I'm going to go stutter openly with my boss or ask the woman out on a date that I really want to, or strike up conversation with a stranger at the dog park. And I would think those are all great plans. What, what great, I'm not doing any of that, but good for them. You know, <laughs> like, I just had to sit there and absorb it for a good long time. Honestly, probably a year before I started taking my own steps. Mm. Um, and at that point felt like had to come out of the closet as a person who stutters, not for my family who knew my history, but by that point, I had these people I'd met in adulthood that I just didn't um, present myself as a stutterer. So I, um, I had to like come out similar to other mm -hmm. coming out experiences. And it's tough. It's tough to tell people, essentially, I didn't trust you to like me for who I am. So I've been doing this other stuff. I... I'm going to try to trust you now. I hope, I hope this hasn't ruptured our relationship. I never said that, but that's in essence kind of the conversations I had to have. Like I've been hiding. This is me. Let's see if we can continue on from here. Um, and so that was the start. I, I just really wanted to touch on the pain because I am almost 42. And so for over half of my life, I lived in the painful part of stuttering and I didn't want to skip over that part. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm happy to talk more about like the, the great changes, but that part of the story I had to get out there too. Mm. 
Well, uh, thank you very much for sharing that, Jenny. Uh, when you uh, when you know, when you commented on trust, what was the uh, situation when you you know first you know first met your husband, Seth? I'm curious now. What was what were you going through? Did you self-identify? Great question. That was all around this time. I met Seth when I was 25. So I would have been one year or so into avoidance reduction therapy. So we began dating um, right as I was on this whole journey. Um, I dated other people in my 20s also and through college. Um, And in my 20s, when I started to realize I needed to like take stuttering out of the closet and like put it on like a shirt, like wear it as part of who I was, I was much more comfortable with telling people I stuttered than with showing people I stuttered. Cause those are two just such different things. One, you're maintaining power over the mm-hmm. narrative. You can tell a nice story about this thing you've had to work on. And the other is just letting go of control and, and vulnerably letting sounds come out of your mouth how they want to, not how you want them to. Um, So I was well practiced at telling people I stutter. And this is a big thing. I, um, Seth, Seth would have been the first and then, you know, I ended up with him. So I think it, it wasn't till him that I started to actually show my stuttering because we met each other around that time in my journey when I was just realizing I had to present in life as a person who stutters because I wasn't going to be able to carry the burden of hiding any longer. It was too burdensome. Um, So, so to ask you, um, I think I met him, didn't stutter out loud for a while. He knew I was going to this group. Then I started to stutter with him, but I had to, I felt like I had to like come out a million times. Then it's like when we go out with his group of friends, oh, now I need to make sure I stutter there. Oh, I don't want to stutter there. I want to impress his friends. Okay. Then I go home to Wisconsin to meet his family. Oh, now I need to stutter there. Oh God, I don't want to stutter there. So <laughs> there were, you know, each, each situation I had to tackle, it w- wasn't just like show Seth, I stutter and then I'm done. I felt like there were a million gauntlets. Um, and then as I started to stutter more openly at first, it was very struggled. If you go through avoidance reduction therapy, that is just part of the path. Um, and forward moving speech is not going to be the first stop on the train. <laughs> if you <laughs> go from hiding stuttering to showing stuttering, your reactivity, your inner reaction, your feelings of dread, your feelings of shame are so high at first that you have some show stopping kind of stuttering. Like you're trying to order a sandwich and you're struggling really badly. And so Again, that's part of arts. There is no way around that. That is a an essential stop on the path if you want to to get to the other side, which is you still stutter, but you feel much more okay about it. And so during that phase where I was very struggled, um, at first in public when I would get reactions, I was pretty reactive and I would lecture people that I stutter and that's very rude. I'm trying to order my sandwich. You just need to be patient. And then I moved through a period where I didn't feel, I just didn't feel like every listener reaction that was bad was my job to um, fix, you know? And sometimes it's like, just move through the ordering line. Like it, it's better for my day to not even get in it with this person right, right now. Mm-hmm. And so having a partner that loved me was interesting um, because I brought this back to group. He, if he was there and this is, he's, I've never seen this side of him except for that period of time. 
he would get really defensive. Like he was in graduate school at the time. So this is now like a few years into to art therapy. I'm now stuttering in the world. And I go down to, and he's in school like two and a half hours away. We were actually engaged by this point. And I go down and we're hanging out with people from his program. And this one guy asked where I was from. And I said, Bethesda, Maryland. And he said, oh, you're from Bethesda, Maryland. And I was like, yep. And I mean, I was a little rude, but I was like, in my mind, it was just like, this is aggressive. This guy is socially so inept to just make fun of someone to their face. It wasn't a good friend of my husband's. And I just thought, I don't need to waste any more time on this guy. What a mm-hmm. you know person I don't need to be around. And my husband went off at him. And um, I brought it back to group and was like, what do you do if like, you're coming to terms with reactions and then the people that love you are lagging behind and are like really activated by the responses that people who stutter get. And Vivian at the time said, it's very akin to when kids are learning to navigate the world as a person who stutter and they become kind of okay with it, but then their parents are there with them a lot and they have their own path to travel of being a person who loves a person who stutters and they also have to learn. They can't control the environment and people will do these microaggressions and you can't get in a fist fight with everyone. And so that was an element I remember that Seth had to, had to navigate. Like, he's like, I guess I have to take cues from you. Like you certainly don't want me getting in a screaming match every time this happens. It it appears. I said, correct. I do not want that to happen. And he's like, okay, I need to practice then. I mean, it's, it's really practicing just handling microaggressions, but we didn't have that term back then. You know, when, you know, when people who stutter, um, Jenny is trying to uh, like, you know, uh, test, you know, you know, test themselves, trying to be, they're, they're, they're trying to show, uh, you know, show their stuttering to being, you know, just to be honest with, you know, with, you know, themselves. But when, you know, when they, you know, they encounter a situation much like you did with, you know, with Seth's, you know, Seth's, you know, Seth's, you know, so-called acquaintance, that you you know that can easily damage a person who's 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 trying to sort of move forward because it's so easy for this individual to withdraw again you know based on the history of of all of, you know of all the neg- you know neg- you know negative reactions so 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 you know uh, what would be you know your advice then you know for, for, for you know for you know for a person who stutters who who is not on the path and the long journey that, that you have been with arts, when, you know, when, you know, when, you know, when they're trying to be, you know, self-identified as a person starters, but it, it's this temptation to get such a negative reaction to withdraw within. You know what I mean? It's a balance. Oh, yeah. It's a great point, Greg. Um, I mean, this is why the group was key to me. So even if you're not in group therapy, even if you're not in speech or um, mental health therapy at all, my advice is hopefully you can identify one ally in your life, whether it's a sibling, a friend, a parent, a spouse. If you're an adult and you have an adult child that you're close with, one person who you can engage in an open conversation with and say, you know, I'm going to come to you as I work on changing my attitude about my speech. And um, the thing I learned in arts that you don't need to be in arts to do, this is what you can practice with whatever your chosen person is in your life. Shame is experienced 
radically differently um, depending on if you are trying to avoid it or if you are trying to invite it. So in arts, um, an assignment I did a lot was, okay, I'm going to go up to this counter and order this sandwich or coffee or drink or whatever. And I'm going to see if um, I can get the person to laugh at me. me, me. And um, Mm -hmm. trust me, it was clearly the last thing I wanted to happen, but that was why it was my assignment. Because if you take control of the thing you've always been trying to push away and prevent from happening, and you actually decide you're going to invite it, when it happens and the laughing will happen, you still have that same like, oh, oh, this is what I hate. But then you have a louder reaction, which is, okay, I did my assignment. I chipped away a tiny bit of the armor that is holding me back. That armor I put up around myself to prevent people in the world from noticing my stuttering and having whatever reaction they're going to have. And I'm going to go back and tell either my group or if you're not in group, your trusted person, hey, I went and tried to get the clerk to laugh at me today and they did. And you, if you have it in your head as an assignment, it really starts to change the effect that the shame has on you. And the shame over time, the... Um, instinct to navigate the world, to avoid bringing on shame at all costs, that starts to dissipate because shame just feels so much less powerful. And so you are absolutely right that every time I get a, I still get laughs and stuff. I mean, I, I don't stutter as much when I'm talking with people in the stuttering community because my anxiety is down. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still have ways to go on my journey to like really be fully okay as a person who stutters with everyone. Cause I still, I'll pick up cues from a listener. I'll walk into the post office and be like, Ooh, that person appears to be having a bad day. I, I don't want to annoy them. I mean, I pick up these little mm-hmm. energy in the air and go back into my tiptoe mode, which causes me to struggle, which causes me to get reactions still. But because I constantly go back to group or to my husband and say like, oh, I got the person at the post office to ask me if I forgot my name. You know, you get that, oh, did you forget your name? (laughs) And Mm. if I can turn it around and go, all right, I'm definitely still moving through the world as a person who stutters, which is my ultimate goal, not to hide. Okay. Then I can turn that negative experience into a positive. Um, But that's very hard to do just alone because shame thrives in secrecy. And if you're just trying to contend with this stuff internally, Um, In my experience, shame will continue to overpower everything. Um, It Mm -hmm. needs to be let out and you need to let people in. And then the shame cannot take such an outsized role in your life. Mm -hmm. Does that resonate with you? Do you? Oh, of course. Definitely, Jenny. Definitely. You know, because this, 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 you know, this, this shame is always there. You know what I mean? Because, uh, because. You know, like it's 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 it's, it's like all I think many people who started having this awful fear of uh, uh, rejection, uh-huh. being uh, being you know being re- rejected, and uh, this you know this you know this this is why, as you mentioned, we actually put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be fluent because we you know we you know we need to feel that we are liked, we're valued, and we're all always afraid of, of this, this negative reaction to our stuttering and and you know this you know this you know this you know this and, and you know this this also brings me to the the question i have about the f word the fluency word because i feel jenny the more we uh put so much pressure 
on being fluent is almost like uh you know for you know i, I you know based on my lived experiences that uh is you know i'm I'm strong supporter of speech therapy, however, you have to approach speech therapy from a different perspective, a different paradigm mindset because if one goes to speech therapy hoping to be fluent i mean you know they're 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 they're, they're you know they're they're really setting themselves up for failure. So I think this is where the managing the ones, you know, learning how to manage one stutter. So I think the the F word, to be honest with you, we, 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 you know, we should change it from fluency to managing. You know what I mean, but it's just pressure. And you know, and and Jenny, this leads leads me to my next question. Based on your journey, you you you, you know you self-identify as a person who stutters, and that's a huge step for for person who stutters for many people who stutter to voice that it's okay to stutter is quite foreign it's okay because we've spent so much time as you mentioned trying to hide or being covert so this this is a challenge towards self you know self acceptance you know so i think you know listen listen you know listening to you we're all in our different journeys but in terms of you know, like uh, uh, from your perspective, how does a person who stutter commit to self-acceptance mm. on this journey? This this is a sixty-four dollar question. I know it really yeah. is. Oh, that's a great question. I first of all, I agree with you that the F word grates on me. I'm not. I'm not into it. So I agree with you. I wish any stuttering specialist who treats stuttering would take fluency out of the name of their practices, like the blah, 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 fluency center. It just sends the wrong message. Um, and I think time, I think the field is evolving, but I, I agree with you on that. Um, for the $64 million question, <laughs> I can speak to my experience. Um, I do think stutterers mostly share similar experiences, feelings. Um, I do think the path to acceptance from what I've seen does seem to vary a lot. You take someone like Nathan, who I work with, in his late teens, he was simply exposed to the idea that there is something called the National Stuttering Association, and people can go and celebrate being people who stutter. And for him, it clicked, and he's like, oh, it's okay to st stutter then. Cool. And like that was kind of his acceptance journey. I mean, it's boggling my mind. For me, mm -hmm. um, it is a daily practice. So there was, for me, there was the big in my mid to late twenties working, focusing on the hurdle, which was getting over wanting to be covert. Um, but I didn't want to anymore because it was a torturous existence. So I had to really reach a bottom in my quality of life where I thought I can't live like this anymore. Um, if I hadn't reached the bottom personally, I don't know if I would have motivated to change because it was so hard to do that. So I had to be coming from like a place where I was like, well, I know this is, I cannot live like this anymore. So then I've got to go try this other hard thing <laughs> instead. Um, but after the intensive period, which was probably like five years of doing a lot, a lot of arts, I find it is a daily practice. Like, um, you know, if you go on a health kick for a few years and then you go back to eating junk, you're not going to be healthy for your whole life. You had a healthy period and now you're, you're back to eating junk food. Um, if you exercise and then you stop, you're going to lose, um, your level of fitness. And for me, personally, um, acceptance is a daily practice and the daily practice is, um, choosing to move through the world as a person who stutters, refusing to substitute words or, um, escape stuttering in the millions of ways we all know how to do, um, 
And if I don't take active steps each day to keep myself honest, um, I will backtrack. For, 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 for her, me, acceptance requires a maintenance program. Maybe there's an endpoint where that isn't the case, but I'm not there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Me too. <laughs> me too, I'm telling you. It, 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 this is a lifelong journey, I'm telling you. Yeah. Uh, Jenny, uh, uh, you know, I feel that when, when people stutter and neglects the, neglects the importance of self-acceptance, and, uh, and, 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 you know, lack of a commitment to work towards self, self-acceptance. People who started having the potential of becoming casualties. That's what I consider casualties of stuttering, meaning that you know, succumbing to the dark side of stuttering. In, in other words, you know, succumbing to the negative below the surface feelings of the iceberg, feelings of shame, guilt, embarrassment. So how you know how does one sort of you know you know recognize that they're in that that dark dark period? And you know what you know what things can they do to get out of it? You know what I mean? Because because I think you know many of the people who stutter, it's it's sometimes it's easier to go to that dark place based on one's history experiences, but just to get out of that. Yeah. Absolutely. My experience, um, I come from like a family culture of like, we fix things. So if there's a problem, um, accepting status quo, if it's not comfortable, was not a skill that I saw modeled a lot or we practiced a lot. And so if stuttering felt like a problem, which it did, uh, we were going to find a way to fix it. And um, the cue for me in my 20s when I hit rock bottom was those under the iceberg feelings, I, I still have. I mean, that's why I still have to make it a daily practice um, to move forward despite an anticipating shame. Um, but in my 20s when I was at the bottom, the feelings under the surface of the water in the iceberg had dragged me down too. So right now I still have those feelings sometimes, but they're transitory and they don't drag me, my whole personhood down under the water. I was living under the water in my early twenties, um, marinating and shame and guilt and, um, embarrassment and feelings of inadequacy and I gosh and and so I felt like I was drowning in mental health heaviness I mean I was depressed I was anxious and I couldn't get up for hair and so um a cue maybe for people is you know if everything going wrong in your life, the first thing that comes to mind to blame is because I stutter, you might be pulled down like completely under the surface of the water because um, stuttering doesn't need to be at all the reason for any problems in your life. But when you get to a space where you can blame it on everything, you're in the dark place. <laughs> um, and so that's why even though I didn't want to come out as a person who stutters, I, it was intolerable to think of living out the rest of my life underwater like that, just marinating in shame and fear. I mean, I just, I, I thought nothing can be as bad as this. Mm-hmm. Do you, you know, do you still, uh, and you know, you know this. You know this. You know this is also another sixty-five million dollar question. Okay. Do you do you feel that uh, the temptation to hide your stutter at times, and if so, in what situations that you're uncomfortable with? Oh, like, yes. And 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 or what self messages do do you say to yourself? Um. Yeah. So I do. Um. 
newer people. So, you know, I, I feel pretty confident in who I am in people that with people that know me and, um, I still have these instincts to minimize stuttering when I'm chatting with people that I'm just meeting. Um, and so earlier in my life, that just meant I didn't go and put myself in situations where I was going to like meet a lot of new people. And so what I do now is just use every little fear that pops up, like a cue, like, oh, going to the auction for my kid's school. This is a recent one. There's a cocktail hour at the beginning. And, um, you know, that's a good place to go chat with other parents. Maybe you don't know. And um, I, in the past, I would have just been like, oh, Seth, why don't we just get there in time for dinner? And then we'll just go to a table with people that we know. And so, in, so those thoughts pop up in my mind constantly. Again, usually with people I don't know. And I just... I override it. I manually override. My automatic instinct is to avoid. And I go, oh, well, it looks like we definitely have to go to that cocktail hour part because if I start to give in to those instincts, I get pulled under again. And that's mm -hmm. why I say it, it's a daily practice for me still. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm, uh, 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 I'm wondering now, uh, Jenny, how, how, how is your brother doing? Yeah. Thank you for asking. My brother, his name is Joey Patton. Um, he is this technical engineering kind of genius. And in our family, that's not the kind of brains that the rest of us have. He's always been this technically adept mathematical engineer type guy. And so he is the chief technology officer at a startup. I have a very hard time describing what they do, but they, they're creating a wireless technology for like rural areas. I don't know. But the point is he, um, he has had to give speeches a bunch. He, because he's the technical person who understands how their product works, his co-founder who speaks fluently and is great at giving presentations and pitching people. His co-founder is like, no, Joey, like you have to talk when we talk about the product because I don't know what we're talking about. So my brother tries occasionally to be like, I'd just rather if you spoke. And he's like, no, people don't care, but you have to explain it. And it's okay if you stutter. So he's doing great. Um, he's also in his marriage um, you know, a lot of people who stutter fall into a pattern where their spouse will call to schedule mm -hmm. flights or pay the utility bills. They're in a pattern where it's my brother. I mean, and he stutters overtly. Um, so he's he's thriving. I mean, he, he gets nervous before he has to give presentations because who doesn't? Mm -hmm. But um, my brother, true to sort of how he navigated the world as a kid, um, has not let it hold him back. And, um, he's, he's, I really admire him. Wonderful to hear, Jenny. Wonderful. Now, now, uh, you know, I know that you're tight for time today, but two, you know, two quick uh, questions. When, you know, uh, when you first, you know, first met your husband's parents, what well, was well, you know you you know you you know you 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 know you you were saying you were trying to come out not only to your husband, then you had to come out to his parents. What was their reactions, or what was your reaction? <laughs> um, we talk a lot in our arts group about the games we play with ourselves, where we say, "Okay, I'm going to show stuttering, and it's okay for me to show." this much stuttering but if it gets up to this much that's not okay and it's not that we have those thoughts explicitly but a lot of us operate on this 
I said I would go to Wisconsin and show them I stutter. Like I didn't mean I want to have a 20 second block and seem like really impaired. And so I know that uh, this was in 2005, but um, I know that I'm pretty sure my husband probably said to them like Jenny stutters and be aware, just don't interrupt her. I'm sure he like laid some groundwork and then when I got there, I remember we played a game, like a board game that required talking. Um, and, you know, I was deep into arts at the po- at that point. So I knew I had to like read my cue cards out loud and stutter and not come up with some excuse why I wasn't going to play the game. Um, I don't remember exactly. I do remember that for years it still felt scary to go there because um, they have a big extended family close by. So I felt like every time I went to Wisconsin, I'd meet a new cousin or uncle and have to deal with a new reaction. And it took a while to get through all the people. It took many visits, (laughs) Uh, but they're loving, kind people. And they, you know, they were prepped, which most people are not. When you walk into a room, most people aren't given a heads up that you're going to stutter. But in this case, I know they were given a heads up and they've been nothing but supportive. Mm. So uh, one you know, last, you know, last uh, question, Jenny. You, you know, I, 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 oh, I like your, your approach show that I stuttered, show that I stuttered because, you know, like the, you know, you know, you're, you know, you're, 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 you know, you're taking control by showing your stuttering, showing that you stutter as opposed to being out of control, very disfluent. And you can actually feel the difference, like physically, emotionally, psychologically. So, so do you, you know, you know, you have any last comments for for people who stutter in terms of encourage encouraging people to show that they stutter? Yeah, I would just if you're listening to this podcast, um, you know you you have already gotten involved in the stuttering community because you found a podcast by a guy who stutters. So I would say leverage any contacts you can make in the stuttering community. Um, Email podcasters, uh, reach out to people on Twitter, find some people that you can connect with. Um, I know technology, I, I, I have kids, so I'm well aware of the dangers of social media and how many bad aspects it has. But like, for the stuttering community, I think it's huge that we don't have to wait for an annual conference to get support from other people who stutter. It's there 24-7 now because mm-hmm. across the globe, we're connect, we can be connected. And so my advice would be find someone um, in the stuttering community who, who shares your desire to be on a path to acceptance and um, be each other's allies and partners. You know, have a, if you walk into a store and you get a bad reaction, if you can walk back in your car or back on the sidewalk and text a person, oh my gosh, you know, that was awful. This clerk laughed at me, but my challenge was to go in and stutter and I did it. You can start to lessen the power that those reactions um, have on you, you and lessen your shame. And then you can start to um, take control of, of, I don't want to say take control, but yeah, like you, you can start to have more agency in showing up in the world as a person who stutters without it igniting overwhelming shame every time you do. Mm-hmm. Well, Jenny, Thank you very much for your time today. And uh, so this, you know, this has been a great conversation. So, but we, you know, we, you know, we will have you back again though. (laughs) Okay. Thank you, Greg. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye.
Some Stutter Love is hosted by Greg O'Grady. It is produced, recorded, and edited by Paul De Decker, as well as Luca Dini, who, by the way, wrote this jazzy theme music. Leah Bugden and Alicia Megason command our pages on Instagram and TikTok. Editing assistance was provided by the Labrador Languages Preservation Laboratory, or Labradori, at the Memorial University of Newfoundland. You can listen to or subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and Spotify. Video versions of each episode are found on our YouTube page. Some Stutter Luck is a production of the Communication Collaborative. Thanks for listening.